Hello and welcome to the Tune Up, the podcast motor repair focus. I'm Phil Curry, and in a slight change to norm, uh, this episode is done mainly by myself. What we'll be doing in uh, in the Tune Up today is going through some of our interviews from Auto Mechanic Birmingham, which took place at the NEC uh, over a month ago now, bringing you a few updates and bits and pieces from there. And of course, you can find all these interviews and more uh, on our YouTube channel and also on our website, autorepairfocus.com. But first of all, uh, I wanted to quickly uh, talk about a, a big piece of news that broke earlier this week, which is the uh, government's white paper or the paper on the Road to Zero plan, which is the outline for the banning of petrol and diesel only vehicles by 2040. Now it's a big announcement, although most of it has been overshadowed by uh, goings on with Brexit. The idea is obviously to start phasing out the sale of petrol and diesel only vehicles and increase the number of electric vehicles that are sold in the UK. The government isn't too keen on the hybrids, however, we think that because of the number of hybrid models on sale now and the need to have to develop them as well, with manufacturers already needing to develop EVs, for now the current hybrid models have been left alone. There were rumours that uh, previously uh, vehicles would have to have the option uh, to travel on electric power for 80 miles only, which would have ruled out everything hybrid like the Prius for example and and quite a lot of uh, plug-in hybrids which only uh, account for 50 miles of traveling which would have pushed the market into a very difficult position with manufacturers trying to develop their way into future rules but one of the most intriguing parts of the Road to Zero paper and you can view uh, the paper or you can view a link to the paper on autorepairfocus.com is that there is a provision uh, there is a provision that the government wants to keep an eye on garages especially independent garages and more so those that offer the opportunity to remove emissions control systems for example fitting decap pipes removing catalytic converters and removing the DPF the diesel particulate filter now the DPF and the catalytic converter are obviously parts of the MOT. If they're not fitted, they're going to cause a failure in the in the MOT. And more so with a new MOT this year uh, introduced in May, the DPF is more recognisable, shall we say, if it's not fitted. But the government is now supporting the idea and, and not bringing in legislation and not really discussing it, but supporting the idea of licensing in the industry. Now this is a big big deal because basically it will give the government powers to prevent uh, to remove licenses and garages that are removing DPFs for example but the actual structure of having to do this would cause a massive change within the aftermarket industry. Now I am a supporter of licensing uh, I have to say I, I don't like the idea that uh, anybody could go out tomorrow, buy a jack, uh, buy a spanner and call themselves uh, a mechanic or a technician. Um, but I do believe that a lot of effort and a lot of thought needs to be put into implementing a licensing system. 
and it cannot just be down to the fact that they want to monitor the emissions controls from or the, the emission control removal um, based on the road to zero plan so keep an eye on ARF ultrapairfocus.com so many plugins I can do with this at the moment it's unbelievable but keep an eye on it because there's more to this story than meets the eye and there's more that's going to come out in the coming weeks months and, and even potentially years but I would really like to know what you think I mean should technician licensing be bought in should garages be accredited and have licenses above their doors in order to be held responsible if they're found to be trading irresponsibly you can get involved on our facebook group uh, find us simply go to facebook.com and search for auto repair focus i really would like to hear your views on this because there's a there's conflicting arguments some people believe that the industry is is compliant the way it is with um you know training and and so on and so forth and uh master technician stuff uh, there's others who believe that there are more coming through now who believe that a degree in computer sciences enables them to plug a laptop into a car and go from there. It's a fine balance and it, like I say it could cause a, a shift in the industry, it could cause the cutting down of a number of independent garages, more could rise and consumer trust would also be boosted. You wouldn't be looking at going to a, a garage that's going to rip you off for example doesn't know what they're doing it's going to make your car worse because everybody would be conforming to pretty much the same rules so again jump onto facebook uh, or you can tweet us at auto repair focus and let us know your views on this because i'd be really interested to uh, to put together a little article on on technician licensing and self and if you've got any questions on technician licensing then do let me know because uh, i intend to be chatting to some of the, the relevant industry bodies uh, about the subject now anyway back to the uh, main point of this episode auto mechanic of birmingham over ten thousand people attended the, the NEC halls uh, last month including myself and I've got to say it was an absolutely brilliant show bit smaller than last year but to be honest but with Auto Mechanic of Frankfurt this year that was kind of to be expected the organisers have now said that because they have had a chance to establish a show in the UK next year Auto Mechanic of Birmingham will run and then it will run every other year so it'll be dovetailing with Frankfurt which is good news for the industry in the UK because it gives it gives suppliers the opportunity to do one and the other not choose between the two and I think that's what was lacking at this year's show some of the big names were obviously concentrating on Frankfurt and I know for the UK market that doesn't seem to be a, a an ideal scenario but let's not forget there's a lot of companies in the UK that sell out to Europe and if you've not been to Frankfurt I will I will tell you now shoe leather is is pretty much on sale there and if you've got a if you've got a new pair of shoes you don't wear them to a show like that it is absolutely massive think about the NEC doubled in size with another half added on and every hall full of automotive supplies again if you ever get a chance to go out to the to Messe Frankfurt I, I fully recommend it 
But uh, I'm looking forward to Auto Mechanic of Birmingham next year. I think it's going to be a bigger show. It's going to be a better show again. And 10,000 people this year is, is not a small number. Not to be sniffed at at all. But we managed to catch up with a few people at the show. So uh, first of all, we'll kick off. I managed to corner this interview. Hello over on the Europass stand. I'm here with uh, British touring car driver and Europass sponsored uh, driver Josh Cook. Josh, uh, you've been here for a couple of days now. Well, what, what do you think of Auto Mechanic of Birmingham and with, with these guys? Yeah, it's, um, it's a fairly busy show. It's uh, you know, great to be here with Europass Car Service. We've got a simulator on the stand which has added a little, little bit of competition. So I did a, I did a lap time yesterday and uh, you know, members of the uh, you know, visitors of the show been over here trying to beat my lap time and um, yeah the winner if uh, you know the fastest lap time can win a snap-on voucher worth 150 pounds so there's definitely been a bit of competition a lot of banter but yeah great to be here with the uh, Europa you know they're, they're a really really friendly bunch really approachable so uh, yeah people should come over and uh, have a chat so and obviously uh, you're racing this weekend season's going pretty well for you uh, you're at Alton Park uh, you looking forward to it yeah the season's been really good with you know, so far um, currently second in the championship um, Alt Park's going to be a tricky one. Qualifying is very important there, and we're going there with a lot of success ballast on board. So, but you know, the guys at Power Max with that that box of Astra do a really, really good job, uh, and hopefully, we just get another solid point score and, and yeah, try and uh, try and keep this Europa brand at the front of the grid. Excellent, Josh. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Now it was great speaking to Josh uh, on the Europa stand, and I must admit. I was a little bit gutted that I didn't get the opportunity to actually use the simulator and see just how badly I would have failed at matching his time. Next up, uh, this one is uh, a quick chat with one of the leading industry bodies in order to find out what's going on out there in the wider world outside the UK. So I'm here with Wendy Williamson, who is the Chief Executive of the Independent Automotive Aftermarket Federation. And uh, Wendy, first of all, what, how has the year been, the successes you've had this year with the IAAF? Well, we've had a, an absolutely fantastic start to the year. Uh, the first news we had was um, uh, the fact the government had decided not to move from uh, the 311 MOT to 411, which we vigorously fought against, uh, in conjunction with many of our colleagues uh, across the industry, we're part of the uh, AALG, which is the Automotive Aftermarket Liaison Group. Um, so, really, a, a fantastic victory for common sense, uh, because all the stats show that uh, if the government were to move from a 311 testing regime to a 411, it would have resulted in more accidents uh, and uh, injuries and uh, fatalities. So that was a good start. Quickly followed. Uh, by uh, type approval. Uh, this is an area we've been lobbying on uh, for the last uh, three years um, and we've managed to secure some really important amendments uh, in the legislation that was approved by the uh, European Parliament just, just last month. Uh, and just to indicate how important these are, uh, these are including keeping the OBD ports uh, alive for RMI information and making sure that information is available in electronic uh, electronic processable format. So really, really good uh, building blocks for the aftermarket. And obviously, as, a, as, a, as one of the leading industry bodies, you've got a good view of, of, of what's coming up and what challenges garages are going to face. Um, any any points on that? What, what's, what are the biggest challenges for the industry? Um, well, I think making, 
One of the challenges in making sure that we put the right legislation in place to make sure that we are able to uh, operate uh, in the independent aftermarket. An interesting point I've just referred to on type approval, um, because the legislation doesn't actually take effect until September 2020, uh, and clearly we are due to exit the EU in March 2019, there's now a question mark arisen as to where this legislation will now sit. So uh, we will need to continue to lobby to make sure that all these hard-fought gains uh, we, we, we don't lose. Uh, but really moving on from uh, type of um, uh, the next is, is the longer term uh, way that, uh, that the independent aftermarket are able to access uh, the vehicle both in the workshop and while uh, the vehicle is on the move. Clearly we have differing ways to how this is done uh, from the vehicle manufacturers. Um, they want to go down the extended vehicle route and what that means is that all access to the vehicle would be using um, their servers, their interfaces, their permissions, ultimately their tools and we feel this gives, us, uh, gives them privileged access to the uh, marketplace uh, which we think is anti-competitive. Uh, now the solution that uh, the aftermarket uh, uh, are proposing is a standard interoperable platform uh, whereby the access is, is it's a level playing field. So it gives access to uh, all workshops um, and in a recent report come out of the EU Commission, this is the preferred solution um, which meets all the requirements of security, um, standard and fair competition. It was great to see Wendy at uh, Auto Mechanica Birmingham and it's also great news just to point out by the way that uh, she's once again made the shortlist uh, for the 2018 Autocar 100 Great British Women Awards um, which quite obviously as the title says recognises some of the most influential British women in the global car industry not just the UK, the global car industry. Um, and this isn't the first time that, that Wendy's made the list uh, she's also recognised in, in uh, 2016, the Autocar Top 100 Great British Women, um, and she's she's no stranger to this, and leading the IAAF on the on the European stage as well. Um, you know, I just want to put out congratulations to her. I think it's 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 a great achievement to be out to be be shortlisted for that, um, and you know it, it it just shows the strength of leadership. Uh, for Wendy and the strength of the, the Independent Automotive Aftermarket Federation as well. So next up uh, here is our next interview. So I'm now here on the WAI Global Stand um, and I'm looking to find out a bit more information about you guys. Hi, welcome to the stand. So WAI is an American company. Um, we've been established for over 30 years now and our principal products are starter motors and alternators and we're one of the world's largest producers of and buyers of brand new starters and alternators. And uh, what is it you've got at Auto Mechanica Birmingham? What is it you're, you're launching or you're here for? Sure. We're, we're launching, well everything now is in the WAI brand so we're, we're showing everybody that um, our products are of, of high quality so of original equipment standard and what we're doing here is we're showcasing the full range of products. We've just brought out MAF sensors, which is a, a new range of 120 part numbers that we're launching. But the main thing we're also doing is we're, we're coming out now with a same-day 
logistics platform okay. uh, with a distributor called Marathon Warehouse Distribution. And um, I mean, could you give us a bit more information about the, the products you do, the range you do, um, what, what's available to, to garages? Sure. So our products, we're doing uh, starters and alternators, window regulators, coils, um, ignition leads, um, and so all of these products are all electrical lines and stocked by motor factors throughout the UK. Uh, in, in all cases we do a full line, so starters and alternators we have over 2,700 SKUs. Uh, window regulators we're doing 3,000 part numbers, so we're, we're a global leader in, in these automotive products. Richard, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. And finally, here's a, an interview I held with Ecobat. Uh, now, again, great to see uh, Ecobat at the show. Um, and we managed to have a bit of a chat about uh, different batteries. Uh, listen to see if you can spot where the uh, audio might clip a little bit um, as it's been cut together from two. And uh, I will hold my hands up and call uh, you know, the, uh, the fact that I completely messed up the names of the the new batteries. So uh, here we go. So I'm here with Ecobat and with Chris Jones who is Business Development Manager and works with technical support. Um, Chris, could you tell us a bit more about Ecobat, the company? Yes, certainly. We were founded in 1952 as Mambat. Uh, we've obviously grown through the years and now we're part of uh, the Ecobat group which took us over six years ago. Uh, we are now part of a um, European group, which is Manbat France and uh, Hefra, well over in Europe. Okay, and uh, what, is, what is the battery range that you sell? Battery range, we cover basically anything to do with the battery range, whether it be from leisure batteries, car, commercials, um, and in within our range we have our own branded battery, which is Numax. We have the Lucas range of batteries as well. And obviously we deal with Barter, who is a business that uh, is an OE manufacturer and we've had dealings with now for over 40 years. And of course the battery landscape these days is getting a bit more complicated. We've got alongside standard batteries, we've got uh, AGM, EFB. Can you tell us a bit about the difference between those batteries and, and standard? Yeah, well standard batteries, obviously we had vehicles uh, going back as far as the early 80s and the battery was only just starting the vehicle. Uh, nowadays we have uh, stop-start vehicles which are obviously coming through more and more. As a result of that, battery technology has had to change with it, uh, as obviously we have more electrics on the vehicle. So EFB has come in as a, an entry battery uh, for smaller engine vehicles, uh, which gives you more turns of the key for starting. And the AGM is on higher engine sizes and vehicles that have uh, more electric running and again for stop-start and again the battery needs to be able to start the vehicle as the amount of times it's actually stopping. So what do garages need to be aware of when they're, when they're changing a vehicle battery? Uh, nowadays basically it's uh, making sure we have the right battery for the right car. Uh, within stop-start technology we must ensure we're either fitting an EFB or an AGM battery. Uh, obviously we have a website which will give you a guide to finding the right battery which also helps you with looking at where the battery is on the car and also the time in which to fitting. So, uh, you know, batteries changing an hour are much different to what it used to be. Uh, some are buried in the boot, some underneath the seats. Uh, you have to be aware of obviously where the battery is and obviously we also now have vehicles that need coding. You have to basically tell the battery 
uh, or the car rather, beg your pardon, that uh, the battery has been changed. Um, so it's getting more technical all the time. So it's very, very important we make sure we have the right battery on the right vehicle. It sounds quite uh, like a complex situation, but it sounds quite easy as well in a way. It can be quite complicated, but we have the tools in which to direct a customer um, onto certain things as a Varta website or our own, which does give the information. So once you know what is the right battery for the right car and how to go about fitting it, it's very straightforward. Excellent, Chris. Thanks very much and uh, Thank thanks for joining us. As I said, it was really great to be at Auto Mechanica Birmingham and to meet uh, so many companies uh, and promote uh, auto repair focus and a tune-up. It was also great to meet a lot of different technicians here at the show uh, to find out a bit more, you know, to work with the, the, the workshop hub as it were and to, to learn about products and services on offer. But it wasn't just obviously to, to for, for garages to uh, to get involved there. There was also opportunity for them to showcase their skills uh, through the, the Garage of the Year competition. Um, so I just want to say a quick well done uh, to Hill Climb Garage of, of High Wycombe, who won the, the £1,000 cash prize um, as Garage of the Year. And actually on the subject of awards, I do feel I should also mention uh, of congratulate uh, Sean Miller um, of Miller's Garage uh, for winning the recent Top Technician competition. Both of these competitions just highlight just how good the UK uh, technicians are and the UK aftermarket is and the servicing industry is. And there's a lot of good and highly skilled people out there who are competing you know, with alongside everybody else day on day getting cars fixed, repaired, ensuring customers are happy, competitions, and there's many more out there and down the line, they, they highlight the skills, they highlight the customer service attitude, they create a sense of pride in the industry and that pride emanates out to the consumer market. And it's really great to see things like that happening. Now, unfortunately, you might have read one of my blog posts online this early this week, some of that well-being is being undone by certain press releases that come out there. A recent one, and I won't name the company, but you can you can find the story on online. Um, talked about uh, customers being confused by by jargon. Now I can understand that you know you go into a garage and you're told the big end's gone or there's knocking or X Y and Z happening. Um, some consumers aren't really well versed in the in the world of uh, automotive knowledge as it were but this press release in particular irked me because it had seven examples and it basically had a table seven examples on one side and what they actually mean on the other one now the idea of this press release was to promote a, 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 a almost a tool if you like for garages to help them to communicate better with customers but the one that really got me was the uh, the jargon being diagnostic check and the explanation being this is a way of garages uh, suggesting that they can charge you for an hour's labour when all they're doing is plugging a laptop into the car and I I saw that and I put my head in my hands and thought why it's press releases like that if they if they are going out to the wider press then releases like that do a lot more damage than any uh, 
customer service faux pas. Because now anybody who reads that, who doesn't know the industry, thinks that when you say, I need to do a diagnostic check, you're just going to pop a laptop in, push a button, and it'll be a few minutes work. It won't be a case of detecting what the problem is, testing certain systems, and then going through the wiring schematic of that vehicle to try and find out where the problem is, where the fault lies, what can be done to rectify it, so on and so forth. No, apparently you just plug a laptop in and away you go. So it's always good to be aware of what's being said in the media. Aftermarket publications, we try and report to the best of our ability the good stuff that's going on. Of course, there is always some bad stuff. You'll get some unscrupulous garages who will fit part warns that are dangerous or you know not replace both sets of brake pads on on one axle of a car and things like that and so on and so forth you'll get those that full fail of trading standards for example there's a hell of a lot of garages out there and I'm, I'm very aware that the tune-up isn't just listened to by technicians this is publicly available this is on iTunes hopefully we'll soon be on things like Spotify and maybe even Google and I'll even drop a pen in the meantime. And there we go. See, this is live recording, ladies and gentlemen. This is actually what happens. And I've got to get my train of thought back. But stories in the wider public, the people who don't know the industry, stories picked up by certain newspapers, for example, or consumer magazines, consumer car magazines that are out there, don't really have a an empathy for the aftermarket they'll just report it they'll just put it out there and say what it is so what I'm basically saying is that uh, be aware of what's going on in the media what's going on in the industry and if there is any firefighting that needs to be done read the stories in an online learn what's happening and be prepared to, to fight your corner and ARF, we will always do our best to ensure that you know what's happening within the automotive industry and within the aftermarket in general. So you've got an understanding of what's going on and what's out there. But I, again, I would love to hear your views and I am really happy to receive any blog posts you might have, any thoughts, any comments. Say up to 300 words or so. If you want to submit a blog entry on your thoughts on the industry, then please do email me phil at autorepairfocus.com. Send it over to me, we'll get it up online. If you include your garage details, and if you've got a website, include your uh, contact email address, include your website address, we'll get it up online, give you a little bit of promotion as well. But that's it from this uh, episode of The Tune-Up. Thank you very much for listening to me ramble on for a bit. Thanks for listening to the interviews. It's been fantastic talking to you. And uh, don't forget, all the latest news on autorepairfocus.com. You can sign up to the free Insight newsletter, which comes out fortnightly. Just, again, visit autorepairfocus.com. And away you go. Have a fantastic couple of weeks. Enjoy the lovely weather we're having. Fingers crossed it lasts. And I will speak to you again soon.